It's great to have Roberto Montoya of Icons of Industry with The Antidote. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. You need to tell us about the players in the band. Okay. So uh, right now, it's me, Roberto, as you mentioned, and uh, our drummer, Johnny Lopez III. We're more of a... I've started using the word collective now uh, instead of band or group because... We really work with musicians, you know, coming in and out of the of the group. We've had a couple of bass players. We work a lot with a, a gentleman named Eric Lacar. Uh, he's been doing keyboards on our music for a couple of years. So we have people coming in and out. I've been working with uh, some session musicians recently with the with the latest music that I've been working on. Yeah. So really, the the two kind of permanent members are Johnny and me. We have other people coming in and out on different instruments. That's the lay of the land in terms of the members in, in the group. Well, that's definitely a different format from most yeah. bands. Right. Okay, tell me then, how did Icons of Industry begin? So Icons of Industry began maybe 15 years ago or you know, definitely more than 10. I'm in Austin, Texas, and uh, I moved here from a little place called Laredo, Texas. It's on the southern border of the United States, bordering on Mexico. So I moved here about 1999 uh, timeframe. And I have been playing guitar for a while, uh, doing some cover music and, and things like that. So I moved to Austin because uh, I heard that it was the live music capital of the world. I don't know if it, it ever was that, and it's I don't think it is that now, but there's certainly a lot of music going on here. So I moved here with my wife, and we were expecting our first child. Uh, so I got here. I had friends here, so I started uh, looking for some people to make some music with. So it started with just friends uh, that I grew up with in Laredo. There's, there's a few of us here that moved from Laredo to Austin, including the drummer, Johnny. So Johnny also is from Laredo, and he moved here. A little bit before I did and when I got here uh, I wasn't working with him I had another drummer and some other friends so it was more of a, of a you know friends getting together let's make some music uh, let's maybe do some shows at least from my perspective I never had a, a serious intention to make it my sole profession I've always just loved music so it just started, like I said, just with some friends getting together and doing shows around town and in the region and things like that. You know, we had a little bit of, I would say, success. You know, uh, we put out an EP uh, back in 2003. Uh, that's no longer available. It was a it was a small pressing on CD. We did some shows. You know, did some local television here in Austin. There was a, a station called Austin Music Network, and they would feature you know local and regional bands. You know, we had a couple of live performances on there. We did a music video back then. So, yeah, that's kind of how it kicked off. Well, I think you made all that information from the past disappear because everything that I've been reading about you guys is current. Right. And, and the reason for that, Dave, is because what happened was I did that for about, uh, I don't know, maybe four years. And, I, and we do have some posts if you go to our Facebook page icons of industry on facebook there are some pictures of the first iteration of icons of industry and that was more of a traditional band and we do have some pictures and, and even some audio of that time frame so around that time dave you know i would consider myself a christian 
I heard the gospel at a young age, you know, around 17 years old. Uh, and then I was, you know, really passionate about that. I got baptized and everything. And then when I moved to Austin, I, I began to drift away in my faith. I would have certainly raised my hand and said, yes, I'm a Christian. Uh, but my life was nothing similar to that or anything close to Christianity. So I had, I had drifted away, you know, stopped reading my Bible, stopped having fellowship. You know, really not much of a prayer life at all. Uh, so years went on with the band, you know, going to clubs and doing the stereotypical, you know, rock and roll musicians do, you know, drugs and, and things like that. And around the end of that time span, the Lord was beginning to really speak to me in my heart about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? So one night, you know, we had a, a big party at my house and, you know, doing the things that we did, getting drunk and things like that. So the next morning when I woke up, I had a really strong sense of, of imminence of judgment for me. So I went in my closet and I just began to call on the Lord and I didn't really know what to say. But, but immediately I felt, you know, guilt for the things that I was doing and telling the Lord, I'm sorry. And that's all that I could say. And then he just began to show me the way he sees me and the way he saw me then. And it was not good. I said, Lord, I want to I want to obey you and I want to follow you and I want to love you and I want to do what you want me to do. So I decided in my heart by his grace to do that. Okay, right then and there, I said, I'm done with, you know, the life I was living. I had come out of sobbing and just really shaken from that experience and that encounter with Jesus. And that was repentance in my heart. So when that happened, I just changed. And part of that change, Dave, was the music because music for me at that point was part of like my identity. So I realized that the way I approached music was not good. You know, it was about vanity. It was about me. It was about, you know, glory for myself. I, I put music down. I said, I'm not going to play guitar. I'm not going to play music. I'm going to just devote my time to, to getting to know the Lord. And, and so when I told my band, of course, they also were freaking out. Like, are you having a, a mental issue or what's going on? So they, <laughs> they didn't understand either. So one of the last shows we had, we were at a club and, and suddenly I just had a, a strong sense to, to just start singing Amazing Grace, Dave, a cappella in the club. And I, hadn't, I didn't tell my band I was going to say, like I said, it was a spontaneous thing. My band was looking at me like, what is going on here? And the, and the, the, the look on the faces and the people, because we're not in church. We're at, a, we're at a club downtown, right? Like a, it's just a bar. So <laughs> it, was, it was a very uh, kind of awkward, I guess, for some people. And yeah, that was like one of the last shows. <laughs> so you must have really shaken people up then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my whole life changed. Oh, Absolutely. Now, carry it on a step further, because yeah. your bio says you're a theologian. And I've right. got to hear about how you can be a theologian and a rock star. All right, and I'll go there. But just, just quickly, circling back to your original question, that's why there's a gap. So I stopped playing music for many years. I shut down Icons of Industry. Mm. So that chapter came to a close. Then little by little, a few years later, I started playing music again, guitar again. And I was playing at church, you know, uh, worship songs and just singing in church. So that's why there was such a huge gap. So fast forward, you know, three, four, five, I don't know how many years I'm playing music again. And I, now I feel like, okay, 
I believe that music now has the proper place. You know, it's, it's a way for me to express, you know, my gratitude, a way to express worship towards God and a way to encourage people. So then I said, okay, I, I want to start doing something again with music, with a band. And during that whole time, you know, reading scripture and studying the Bible, uh, you know, I was ordained as, a, as an elder in the church. So really began to take scripture seriously, really, you know, getting into the, the history of, of the Old Testament. So really getting a, a good, solid foundation on theology. Then uh, when I started music again, I decided to just go ahead and just keep icons of industry. I liked the name. It was, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. That's when I started again. So, yeah. So from a theologian perspective, so now the lyrics are more central. The first uh, iteration of Icons of Industry, the lyrics were abstract poetry. You know, I took a lot of influence from bands like, you know, Soundgarden and groups that were that were really uh, kind of making poetic statements that, that actually could be interpreted in different ways. And so this version, I'm being more mindful of, of the lyrics. So that's where theology comes in. So talking about, you know, things from a Christian perspective. It's not a worship band. And I don't even typically use the word Christian group. I'm a Christian, right? But but certainly the lyrics are coming from a Christian perspective. So when I speak about the things like one of the one of the first uh, tracks that I put out in the second version, it was in a, in a EP called Alchemy and Waves. There's a single on there called The Waltz of Margaret Sanger. And I'm touching on topics about you know, Margaret Sanger, the, the, the founder of, of Planned Parenthood, and how the world looks from her perspective. So there's threads that are tied in to evolution. If we believe that, that we're just evolved primates, you know, that has very serious and huge implications on how you view the world and how you view other people. And so it's just, about abortion, and it's about eugenics. Exactly. And those are there. And even racism, there's, there's a lot of topics that are there, the connection with the, the Nazi phenomenon and, and the, the atrocities that happened there. So, and there's only so much you can do in, in a three or four minute song, right? So it's certainly not uh, a theological or a historical treatise or anything like that, but just the topics. What can I say uh, that can at least begin to have conversations with people? I think it's icons of industry music style that really makes your band stand out. It's this fusion of styles. Yes. So the fusion of styles, like I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up with rock. So rock has always been at the foundation of icons of industry. The fusion aspect, I think I picked up from, you know, bands like Yes, uh, Listening to, to musicians like uh, John McLaughlin, you know, Mahavishnu Orchestra, you know, elements of jazz. And then the original guitarist in Icons of Industry was a classically trained pianist that became a guitar player. So he brought a lot of that classical and jazz elements to it, which I've always enjoyed. You know, different time signatures and even songs that, that were like one of our songs was seven minutes long. So, you know, things that, that you don't hear anymore, uh, but I've always enjoyed mixing things and the challenge is how can you make it sound good you know because it's not like you can just get all that stuff and throw it in a pot and it comes out tasting delicious so the fusion aspect is something that i've really uh wanted to just bring that experimental and the curiosity to music and the new tracks the latest music that icons has put out is even going into electronic yeah 
it's that diverse styles that really grab me with your band in the first place. You know, you don't get into cloning it, like Down From The Mountain. You know, it's got this almost 1960s folk rock style. Yeah. That song is also really upfront about your message. And it says, Down From The Mountain, your servant brought your law, carrying the words you had spoken that caused the radiance of his face to shine upon them all. Of course, you made it easy on yourself because <laughs> you just stole the lyrics from the Old Testament. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and the lyrics in that one, you know, are they like you said, they hit the nail on the head from a scriptural perspective because it's it's pretty much ripped from the scripture. Exactly. Okay, I'm glad you're not feeling guilty about that. <laughs> <laughs> guilty as charged, Dave. Well, you know, something else I want to bring up is why not do the same music as everybody else? Well, I think that, that we do have a nod to, like you mentioned, you know, 60s rock, 70s rock. Uh, so the challenge for me is, you know, do I play music that I enjoy or do I want to try and appeal to sensibilities of people as, as tastes change? So, you know, I decided I'm just going to make music that I enjoy, music that I like and that sounds good. And if people enjoy it, that's awesome. But, but trying to chase tastes I think that's a difficult thing, and, and it's not certainly not for, for icons of industry. Now, earlier on, you had mentioned about doing worship music in your church. Right. Icons of industry even has a worship song, Sephardim. He's a fire, he's electrical, and he mystifies. Sympathetical, yeah, he's a fire. So, no, I guess you're not going to try to give Hillsong United a run for their money. <laughs> Because the difference is this is aggressive worship. Right. It, yeah, I even call it a, a hymn because it's certainly exalting him and it's, it's offering you know, praise and, and, and glorifying him and, and speaking about his attributes and his awesomeness. And, and even the, the viewing God as a fire, I think, is, is not very popular. There are, there are certainly themes of even judgment in some of the tracks as well. So. You mean versus Jesus is my boyfriend? No. <laughs> no, uh, no, there's no lyrics like that. Thank you for not doing that. <laughs> okay. okay, let me bring up another point. Many Christians want to hear music I like to describe as being safe. Are the songs of icons of industry safe? I would say no. Uh, no. Like I mentioned, so one of the songs, uh, you know, final hymn from the Alchemy Waves EP is a direct song about the second coming of Jesus, where it mentions he comes in fire and he comes with judgment. And it says that, you know, he died once, and then he, when he comes again, it's going to be for judgment. And uh, so that I don't know if somebody or anybody would consider that a safe topic or something that's easy. The reason I ask that is that I find the majority of music coming from artists who are Christian has this sameness. You know what I mean. Yes. Shouldn't music be challenging? I think that there is a, certainly a place for that. Now, there, there's also, I believe, a place for comfort and there's a place for encouragement, certainly. I mean, I would never deny that. But as Paul mentioned, you know, he said, I, I share with you the whole counsel of God. So there, there's aspects to God that, that are beyond that as well. Like we just talked about the things that are uncomfortable, the things that are challenging, the things that are, that are difficult. And, uh, and I think those have a place in music as well. Now, a little bit earlier, you were making the point about wanting to be clear about your message, but 
neural ascension. I have no idea because <laughs> half of the lyrics aren't even in English. So I have That's no right. idea what the song is about. Right. Thank you for bringing that up. So Neural Ascension is, that's more of an experimental poem. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying that that I wouldn't consider our kinds of industry a, a straight Christian uh, rock band because we do have other topics. But they're from a Christian perspective, but Neural Ascension, it was more of a themed track. As you noticed, that there's actually not really lyrics in the beginning of the song. Then you, you start catching phrases in the middle and then towards the end, they become more intelligible. So that's kind of a, a theme, like the, the neural ascension. So a starting with uh, unclear and then it becomes clear and then it becomes clear and then, and then eventually at the end, you can hear lyrics. And I, I put the lyrics in, in Spotify. Uh, so if you go to the Instagram and you, and you bring up that song, it'll be interesting to read because I typed in the sounds that I was making when I was singing and, and they're not words. <laughs> I think you're just trying to mess with people, Roberto. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now that you totally confused us with that song, yeah. you had talked about bringing this electronic styling into the new songs. Yes. Why go that route? Well, going back to the, the, the collective approach, because, you know, the, the, the COVID and everything, the availability of people, it varies. So... You know, sometimes Johnny's busy or other musicians are busy. So for me, it was a way to to make music and work on music without having to have other people involved all the time. So I bought a, a little device called a, a machine. So it's a, it's a beat machine. It, it, you can create different synthesizer sounds and all that. So it was more of a way for me to experiment and explore and just kind of have a sketch pad to sketch out ideas. When I was making beats and sounds, I'm going, you know what? I could probably make some of these into some songs. It came out of a, of a need to keep working and keep playing when other people are not available. So I'm going to continue to explore that. And, and I want to have, you know, Johnny have drums and then continue to have elements of, of the electronic as well. But yeah, that's, that's how that came to be. I think I've read on your Facebook page or on some bio information that Johnny actually has a Grammy award. That's true. How does that work? So, so like I mentioned earlier, so Johnny is from Laredo. He came to Austin, and then he uh, he went a different music route. So he began to get involved with with Latin fusion. So wow. he was in a group called uh, Grupo Fantasma, and you can look them up on, on the internet and everything. So they began to get a lot of traction with their fusion of of Latin style, uh, very explosive live shows and things like that. Then they got the attention of Prince. So Prince became a fan of Grupo Fantasma, invited them to go play at his nightclub, uh, and they developed a rapport, and then they, they jammed on stage together and all that. So through that relationship and, and just their touring a lot and all that, uh, they, they put out a record that got the attention of the industry, and uh, yeah, they won a Grammy for that. So his group uh, uh, won that. So now he's a, a Grammy-winning drummer. What a cool thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So he, he always, you know, he shares stories of Prince and, and what it was like working with him and all that. So it's always fun to hear those stories. Now, are you ready for me to critique your band? Yes, please. <laughs> I think Icons of Industry has the worst business model. Your website address takes you to YouTube to hear your music for free. So like, what is this? Money has no meaning to the band. It doesn't right now. <laughs> Seriously. 
Yeah, because I mean, I, I'm blessed to have a good job. And there's a there's a double-edged sword to that, Dave. And I don't know if you were alluding to it, but sometimes when, when things are given to people for free, they don't really appreciate it. So it's that, where's that balance? Because I want to make the music accessible, right? I don't want to put financial boundaries, but at the same time, if if people aren't paying at least something, then then there could be a, a perception of, of no value. So yeah, I'm certainly lacking in the uh, in the business side of it right now. That's how I fit in the same spot as you do. Mm. I've been doing this show for 10 years. I don't charge for it. I give it away. Yeah. The weird part about this show is that it started on mainstream radio. So I started doing it and just the Lord opened up a million doors yeah. right off the bat. Awesome. And of course, I get to meet cool people like yourself and speak with them. So it's a little different. And to your point, I know, you know, in the early days, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s even, Christian music had a very bad reputation for being cheesy and being subpar and low quality. But I think these days, you know, it's it's really, I would even say, has taken the lead. Uh, oh, in, in some areas, like in, in areas. metal. And, and hip-hop as well, I, I believe. Oh, and hip-hop, absolutely. Yeah. You know, how many phenomenal artists are there in that? Right. Grammy winners and everything, too. So, And really quick, Dave, since we touched on hip-hop, uh, you know, one of the songs that we have, uh, Love Games, was a collaboration with a, with a Christian hip-hop artist named Ashiato. So, you know, I've always been interested in, in that as well. Even though there's a rock foundation on it, you know, that, that collaboration was really cool. Uh, you know, we continue to work on new stuff and and there's there's another song that i'm working on right now called a brave heuristic and it's going to feature uh another christian hip-hop artist named jay nice the kingdom builder so that's in the works right now he's going to be coming over to the studio in the next couple of weeks to finish off that track so i'm really looking forward to that that's cool yeah Okay, so tell me, when is your polka song gonna come out? <laughs> that well, you might seem be to cover a, it that all. Might be a while, Dave. So <laughs> let's say it's on the back burner. So <laughs> okay, you know what? I want to finish up with what for me is one of your standout songs, "Exit Loop." Now, I've already spoken about how your music is diverse, but that track is so different. Yeah, that's a. That's a, I would call that an, an atmospheric track or just a mood track or just a textural track because one of the things that I enjoy doing with my music is creating texture and how much can I communicate with just the music? How, how much can, can you evoke emotion with just sounds, right? And different and textures and things like that. So on that track, uh, I reached out to a, a turntablist named Alex Naza from Spain uh, and I, I reached out to him on, can we do a collaboration? So I sent him the track and he began to, uh, to do scratching and, and turntables on it. And he sent me a couple of tracks. I mixed them. I, I uh, did the thing. So I, I'm really happy with that track. And I, and I hope to do uh, even uh, some more of that and, and continue to explore and uh, you know, dip into different areas of music that, that may not necessarily uh, you know, make, make sense at a certain level. You know, how does scratching and electronic music and things like that go together. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that track. Maybe I should get you to sum this all up. Like, what are the goals for icons of industry? So the, the, the short-term goals are, you know, continue to make music, continue to uh, build relationships. Because for me, the music, Dave, is really a, a way for me to, as you mentioned, to meet interesting people, to have conversations with people. 
So my goal is, you know, reaching out to other musicians and, and trying to, to foster collaboration. How can we work together? How can we uh, make something interesting and something new with other people? So the goal is going to be continue to nurture relationships, reach out to people and continue just to make, you know, interesting music, hopefully that people will enjoy. And, uh, you know, music videos are another thing that I like doing, the visual aspect of music and the creative process. Uh, so really, that's it. Um, I don't have any other, you know, grandiose or, or big goals uh, other than that. But that, you know, that's short term and, and it's kind of one day at a time. Well, Roberto, got to thank you for coming for this talk, man. Yeah. And best yeah. of luck with Icons of Industry. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me.